0: All right, everybody. Welcome to the Buyer Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Feedy. I'm thrilled today. I'm uh, introducing you to someone that I was just recently introduced to. His name is Jonathan Otero, and he has been doing a podcast recently called Selling During Crisis. I've been coming across some of his content on LinkedIn. It's epic. It's great. He's been having some very knowledgeable guests on there. And so I reached out to him. Actually, he reached out to me first. He he saw the podcast that we recently did with uh, Todd Capone, who is a legend and who's going to be on his podcast as well. And he just said, this looked really, really great. I'd love to connect with you. We got to talking on LinkedIn and we decided we better do some content together because my thought process here is, look, Here's a guy who has been talking to a lot of sales leaders in the community about how they're selling right now, specifically during this pandemic. This is a whole bunch of learnings that I would love to have him impart onto our listeners. So that's why I brought him on here. So I'm going to turn the tables over to you here, Jonathan. Why don't you do a quick introduction? Tell everybody about who you are and what you do so that they know who they're going to be learning from today.
1: I'm really excited to be here, and uh, I'll tell you, you know... um, a lot of times when when, uh, when we're talking about doing this stuff, it's actually kind of interesting, I'm so used to being on your side of the table. But now here I am being interviewed, which is really kind of cool and neat. Um, and I'll tell you, you, know, just just really, you know, talking about what we were saying with the podcast, for me, it's um, primarily, you know, I have I've been in sales for over 12 years selling in the telecom space selling, you know, fiber internet to large organizations and a type of accounts, and all those years, I've done it a certain way, you know, and every now and then I've read books here and there. And I've kind of, you know, I've kind of taken some of those, those learning techniques and tools and applied them to my profession. But you know, when COVID hit last year, um, I had to reinvent myself. And so I had to really try to leverage social media and try to figure out this kind of social media maze and what this was all about. And, uh, you know, I was kind of good at doing social media on my Facebook and Instagram, but I never really leveraged LinkedIn as a tool. And so I kind of dove into there started talking to a lot of experts and started, you know, trial and error type of things, and doing some things that I shouldn't do. And, and and you know, so a lot of learning on there. And then um, over time, as, as uh, the year progressed, I ended up starting to get into video to communicate and being able to use Kind of the techniques and and stuff that i wanted to say but couldn't reach to my prospect now i can use video to say that and so i got into that and again trial and error doing a lot of things good a lot of things bad but ultimately i was able to to get um a system in place that i knew worked for me i was able to do something that i enjoyed being in front of the camera which is something i love to do but also incorporate my personality into my prospecting efforts and to my, into my, you know, video messaging. And so, um, I started doing that and then something happened, Josh, back in November, which was, which was, you know, listen, kind of interesting. A lot of Americans and people in the world have gone through this. I got let go from my job. And you know, there was, there was cuts being made and I was one of them that had to get cut. And at that time I sat down with myself and said, man, You know what do i love doing you know there's a couple things i love doing i love sports but you know i i'm past my prime at this point and i don't know if uh (laughs) the new york mets uh, or the new york jets are going to draft me at this point so you know i'm pretty pretty sure that's not going to work out if i go that route but i knew i loved being in front of the camera and i also knew that i had a lot of my peers asking me for advice um i also started the selling during crisis podcast at that time And I started leveraging my network and saying, hey, if I know that I'm, you know, if I'm going through this, I know there's other people in my network that are going to go through it as well. So why don't I leverage my network, get folks like you and, and, you know, the sales trainers and authors and people who are LinkedIn experts and video experts to get on there, share best practices so we can all kind of learn. And then the, the thought came to my head. Well, wow, why don't I take the knowledge that's in here and apply it in an online course? So I ended up starting a company. And now I'm doing my own online course. It's called Digital Sales Sync. And I'm super excited. We're getting ready to roll that out shortly.
0: Nice, nice. Where is that going to be? Digitalsalesync.com Is that where that'll eventually live? or You can go to
1: Digitalsalesync.com <laughs> Right now, the site is under construction, but you can go there sure. and register. Sure. So that way you can uh, get alerts when we release it. And, uh, and I'm super excited about it. Can't wait.
0: That's great, man. It's great. I-, I love the part about reinventing yourself, right? I love that. And I think so many people are going through that in so many different ways we're either having to reinvent ourselves as people right now and in just how we get through our normal life outside of business but especially in a business sense so many people are having to figure out how to reinvent the way they do the job that they do whatever it is um, you don't have to be in sales to have to reinvent the way you do something right now with what's happening with everybody being remote We're all having to find ways to be effective without being face-to-face, and it's just something we're not all that familiar with because not many of us have had to do that full-time in our lives before. So there's a lot of people learning how to reinvent themselves. Now, it's interesting to hear um, that you were utilizing digital platforms but not LinkedIn early on. Now you've learned the power of LinkedIn listen, anyone listening to this podcast, they probably discovered it on LinkedIn. So pretty much everybody that's listening to this um, is probably pretty proficient on LinkedIn right now or is trying to learn how to be more proficient on LinkedIn. But there is no question in a business setting, LinkedIn is an incredible social channel that all of us should be leveraging. What are some of the things that you've learned or that really uh, surprised you about LinkedIn and the power behind that tool for yourself? Well, you know what, Josh, what what I found was interesting was being
1: able to, and I didn't know this when I first got started, but what really got me excited was being able to, to engage with a total stranger, either on their content, or have them engage with my content. And all of a sudden have that person be almost like a best friend. Uh, You know, there's some people that I still to this day, you know, from the start of COVID till now, there's some people that I've already connected with that I know more about them in their lives, because we've engaged with content. And we've actually spoken, um, than I do about than some of the people in my inner circle, and it's kind of crazy. And so that really gets me excited. Now, had I you know, if you asked me that question prior to when I was just using and I made a post here or there, or I would send out a white paper of whatever my company was putting out that time, you know, I really didn't know, you know, I'd get maybe, you know, five likes or something. And you know, every now and then maybe my my wife would comment on something, you know, and it would be like, oh, all right, cool, you know, um, make sure you hide your last name so they don't know that you're my wife. And so it was kind of <laughs> like, uh, you know, I was really not not knowing what, what road I was going down. But once I started to really understand how powerful it could be to make a connection and, and not only make a connection, because it's not just about making a connection is what I learned you know, it's about adding value to that person on the other end who's accepting that connection request. Because there's so many people out there, not just my competition that is selling right and whatever Mm -hmm. I'm looking to do. But also even within my own organization, you know, I was a direct rep. So there's, there's uh, inside sales teams, there's other you know, channel people, there's so many different legs of even in my own company that can sell to this customer, I'm competing with them as well. So how do I get to stand out. And um, and that to me was really cool to be able to leverage my post or be able to see a post that I know that this person might benefit from, share it with them, m- make them feel like I'm adding value to them to the point where they want to engage back with me. And now we're setting up a meeting. We're having a conversation and it's an easy, it's more of a warm lead versus a straight, you know, quote unquote, cold call.
0: Yeah. So I love yeah, that. Absolutely. 100%. And, you know, Todd, Capone echoed a lot of that two episodes ago for us, um, and it's so true, right? The number one job that we all have, if we're in a business development role, and newsflash that if, if you're employed somewhere, you're in a business development role, right? It doesn't matter what your title is. We're all responsible for revenue generation at our company in some capacity. But the number one, uh, the number one thing you want to be focused on is how can we build trust here? How can we build trust? And the best way to build trust is to build some credibility. People love to work with people that are knowledgeable about the things that they are representing. And it's not always easy to know if somebody is knowledgeable, if they're quiet about their knowledge, if they're not sharing their knowledge. And I think the thing that's great, the theme that's already coming out in this episode is that you believe very strongly in helping other people be more successful. I think that there's a lot of people that know a lot of things about a lot of things, but they don't tell anybody. And I don't know if they don't tell anybody because they don't know the right mediums to get that out or if they feel like it's better that they're the only one that knows it. But the truth here and the reality is it doesn't matter if you're the smartest person in the world if you keep it to yourself because we're all going to be more successful if we help us all be more successful and learn new things. right? And you're going to find, as you already have, that the more you produce content in channels like LinkedIn, podcasting, vlogs, blogs, whatever it might be, the more you do that and the more people notice it, the more people are gonna reach out to you and say, now how do you do this, right? And that's exactly what was happening to you and that's exactly why you're creating the course right now. Um, The trick here is finding the people that are curious enough to actually execute once you've given them the roadmap to do these things because there's a lot of people wondering how you do this and they wanna do this, but they don't really act upon it, right? I think that that's where you're real smart in creating this course because this will hold people accountable. If they have to put some money on the line to be a part of this course, that's gonna that's gonna hold them accountable to moving forward with it. So right.
1: well, but, not only that, Josh, I'll also throw in why to do this, right? Mm-hmm. We we hear this term build a brand. And what does that even mean to build a brand? I'm not, I'm not uh, so I don't have this multimillion dollar, you know, corporation behind me to help me build this brand. What does that even mean? Right. I, I always thought that was a buzz term. And but one thing that was interesting, and the reason I created the podcast was because, you know, I knew, just like you said, I didn't know everything about everything, right? I was really good at sales but I didn't know how, you know, there's certain things about LinkedIn, or there's certain things about using online video tools, like let's say, for example, a vidyard video, or there's certain things that these sales trainers, they have a certain niche that they they talk about. And so, um, you know, I wanted to get those people on, because the common theme, no matter what, if you start to look at all my episodes, and, and even when I'm looking at your episodes on your podcast, the common thread, if we kind of try to figure out and connect the dots, is we're building this brand, right? whatever that brand is, we got to build that. And what I th- what I think is the most important thing, whether you know, forget about the, 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 the buzz term of it, when you're talking about building a brand, once it's built, if you can successfully execute on that, you take that with you, that's your brand now, and no one can take that away from you. And that's what I think is awesome. Because when the situation happens, like it did for me, where I got let go back the, the week before Thanksgiving, right before the holidays, it was traumatic. But after I threw a pity party for myself, which lasted only a couple hours because no one showed up. It was just me there. <laughs> Once I threw the pity party, I realized myself, I said, well, I have this brand now. I built this thing. They can't take that. So now I can leverage that and move on. And that's the key. And that's that's what I want to help other people do as we go forward in sales.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I'm sure I've said it on the podcast a couple of different times myself. I always tell people, that your personal brand is your most valuable asset, that you should invest in your personal brand before you invest in anything else in your life. Because exactly what just happened there, you can't control the economy, you can't control whether or not you're gonna walk into a job one day and they're gonna let you go. You can't fully control all of those situations. But what they can't take from you, no matter what it is, whether it's the IRS garnishing your paycheck or it's your employer letting you go or whoever's coming after you in this world, right? The one thing no one can ever take from you, no matter what, is your personal brand. Doubling down on building your credibility and being, being the person that you are, the genuine person you are, promoting that to the world, you will surround yourself with like-minded individuals that want to see you succeed more and will they will have your back when they need to, right? And you will find that. Absolutely, without question. hundred percent. So with these guests that you've been having on Selling During Crisis, how how many episodes are you in now? I think it was around nine episodes. No, so
1: we did, well, actually, I did a a podcast prior to, which was 10 episodes that was leading during crisis. That's where I interviewed (laughs) my customers. Okay. But Selling During Crisis, we're up to episode, Todd's going to be episode seven, which is what we're going to record tomorrow. And then we have a bunch of bookings for the rest of the month of January. So that's going to be ongoing because- There's so many folks that I want to talk to and so many different industries and so many different uh, categories. So that's going to be gone for a while. So we're up to episode seven uh, on that one.
0: That's awesome. Talk to me about some of the common themes that are coming out that are really kind of turning your head and kind of helping you transform your own personal way of selling.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, look no further than my next guest, Todd Capone, which we talked about already earlier on, on this show you know i was introduced to him ironically by the guy who was my first guest on the on the podcast a guy by the name of jeff goldberg who's a sales trainer up in new york now jeff trained me when i was a baby baby rep selling an smb door to door my first uh, sales job in telecom um working for a company up in new york when i lived there i don't know if you could tell by the way josh i'm originally from new york i'm not in new york anymore i'm in orlando but you know if you can't tell by the accent then, yeah. then maybe my audio is not great But, um, I can tell you that, uh, so Jeff was my, my first trainer. I told him when I created the idea of the podcast, I said, I got to get you on the show. I wanted you to be the guy to launch it. Um, and then Jeff was saying, well, you know, who do you need guests? And I said, absolutely. And he mentioned Todd's name and we connected through Jeff and, you know, I got the book and it was like, you know, you know, when you get those books that you, um, you you read and you can't put down, you know, like you just want to keep reading it, even though you got a million things to do. That was, and I haven't read a book like that in a while, but that's, that, was, that was the book, uh, with, you know, Todd's book, The Transparency Sale. And so, you know, what I'm learning with him is, you know, the simple fact of, you know, now I'm selling myself, right? And whether you're selling a product or you're selling yourself or whatever you're selling, you know, the, the, the fact, you know, transparency is another buzzword, but how do you be transparent? So some of the things which I'm excited to talk to him about is like going up there, immediately breaking down the walls when you're having your first discovery meeting with the client and telling them, look, this is what we suck at. This is what we're not good at. These are the things we can't do that our competition does better. But here's what we do really, really great. So if if that's if, if it's okay, that you don't need those things, we could kill it on this side. And so you know, I, I when I read that it was like, it seems so logical, right? We talk about transparency. And what does that mean? But man, I was like, when I read that it was almost like the light bulb went off. So I can't wait to share that. Yeah. with with my audience because I'm sure that's going to be gold. And then some of the other things too, you know, like we talk about um you know, we've had like I said other sales trainers on and we had some people from Vidyard video on. So there was some pro tips that they gave on certain ways how to create video and certain things that were really really cool on how to help really build your um your online video presence. So there's some cool, you know, things that we learned from that and all that stuff helps because I'm all into that. And you know, the the biggest thing too is like for example, I'll tell you the, the most common thing that I hear from sales reps that I talk to, um, in all different industries is, yeah, that's really cool. But I hate being in front of the camera. Like, <laughs> what do I say? I'm uncomfortable. How do I look? What about my background? You know, like, I don't, I don't know how to set this up. I don't have a microphone like you do. I don't have, you know, so it's like, what do I do? And, and then they just kind of get frustrated with it and they don't do it at all or they maybe do one or two videos and it, it takes them maybe 15 minutes to do a 30 second clip and they're just like frustrated with it, right? I can't do this, screw this. And so that episode really helped uh, give some tips and tricks on how to get over that fear of getting in front of the camera. So a lot of good stuff there, man. And I'm looking forward to the, the rest of it as well.
0: The fear of being in front of camera, it blows my mind every time. I hear this so much, right? So the software we build um, has a video component to it, which is very important. Um, Number two, if you are a modern salesperson, you should be leveraging video in a lot of your different efforts. And video, I think the thing that a lot of people misunderstand about video is they see video being used a lot for the initial outreach, maybe a cold outreach, and they miss all the myriad of different ways they could be leveraging video to their benefit and to their customer's benefit in the sales cycle. Um, I record multiple videos for every prospect that I'm working with. I might reach out to them on an early outreach, trying to get the meeting with more of a cold outreach video, personalized video. But immediately after that meeting, I'm recapping the meeting for them and I'm talking to them about what the next steps are in the next personal video. After that, if I know this is going in front of a decision-making team, I'm recording a new video, letting the decision-making team know what conversations we've had and why I'm sending them the additional information that I am sending to them What I'm trying to do here is build consensus within an organization, and I'm trying to make it easier for my point of contact to become my internal advocate. I think that's one thing that a lot of salespeople kind of forget to do is really set up your internal advocate, your point person for success. Sometimes they need some notes to walk into the room. They're about to put their neck on the line for you. They need to know exactly why they're about to put their neck on the line for you. And video, without question, uh, COVID or no COVID, is an incredible way to help guide that decision process and better inform and equip the people that you're talking to trying to move forward with the deal. But the thing that I always find is funny too, people always say, I don't like the way I look on camera. And I think that that's the funny one because... I look, I don't care how I look on video because I look this way in real life. I can't change the way I look. You can't change the way you look. If we could, we would both look like Brad Pitt. It's just, that's what would happen, right? But we can't change that. The hardest part about being on video in in what, what really throws a lot of people is talking on video. And they don't acknowledge that first. They acknowledge first, oh, my camera's not great. Oh, my microphone doesn't sound great. But What really is the problem is you need to learn how to talk on video, and it's not that hard, but for some reason, because if you can leave a voice message, you can talk on a video. Let's be honest here, but for some reason, when they're looking at themselves in the reflection, they get even more self-conscious about absolutely everything, and they freeze up and they forget to even speak, and then, yeah, you do look kind of stupid in your video because all of us look stupid when we don't know what to say. We all make stupid faces when we don't know what to say, but it's exactly what you said. Even if you're not good at it, no one's good at it on their first try. No one's good at it on their third try. No one's good at it on their 10th time. But the more you do it, it's like anything, it's like any muscle that you're flexing. You're going to get better and better and better. And before you know it, it's easy.
1: Well, you know, I'll even add to this. First of all, if you have any tools that can help me get rid of this quarantine 15 that I'm packing on here, (laughs) this shirt before I started, it used to fit me a lot better than it does today. But that's one tool. The other thing to just to echo what you're saying is. You know, I would I would actually say that when you're doing video, and the thing that I learned from me when you're doing online video to, to communicate, whether it's prospecting or whatever, um, the fact that it doesn't look polished is actually really a good thing. You know, you don't have to be perfect. And yeah, I'm better today doing video than I was when I first started. But if I mess up and I make a mistake, I like to try to sometimes keep that in there because it comes off as authentic. It comes out, it comes off to the, the the person watching, like he created this just for me. And here's a person that's really trying to get my attention. It just it just helps make it a little bit more enhanced. So yeah. I tell people all the time, if you mess up, leave it in there sometimes, unless you really, really mess up. Like if you just fumbled all your words, I get it. But if you kind of stumble a little bit, keep going and that's okay. And I'll even tell you this. I. I I would say I would venture to say that a lot of people don't even realize, look, after COVID hit and we had to go, you know, we had to get rid of face to face and now go over the computer and zoom it up. You know, we're already talking on zoom, right? We're already having team meetings on zoom or teams or WebEx or whatever you want to call it. And we're already meeting with our prospects and customers over zoom. So we're used to being in front of the camera. Right? We just now have to learn how to pitch. And you know, at the end of the day, Um, and I know a lot of people don't like that word pitch, but we use it in, as you know, in the sales world, but you know, you gotta learn how to do that. And at the end of the day, this selling over this laptop is going to be critical to, to your success in the future, because even once COVID is done, you know, and now that's gone, we go back to face to face meetings. There's still going to be those people that say, you know what, why don't we just set up a quick zoom meeting? Let's make sure that we have synergies together before we take this next step to invite you down to our office to do your demo or your presentation so you're still going to have to learn how to use zoom to sell and you're going to have to learn how to use online selling tools like vidyard and 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 your webcam to sell yourself because you're not going to get into that room after covid if you don't hit on that first meeting and so you know that's that's what i'm really excited about and and again not only just just one other thing to mention because you said it talking about that advocate that you have in the room And that person who's risking their they're going to put their job on the line by bringing you in and and blessing what you're selling these people you know people have gotten fired for these decisions right so before they make these decisions there's a term one of the guys i had on was a guy named uh, steve bookbender who's a trainer also in new york and he talks about this this term called echo selling where they're going to bounce ideas off of other people their other peers and even people within their own company and say, hey, what do you think about this? Because they wanna have a concession and, and have an agreement to say, yeah, this is good. So God forbid, if it is not good and it's bad, they're not the only ones who made that decision. So having an advocate in there when that buyer is gonna be you know, looking to, to justify the move to you is critical. So you know, just, just a lot of cool things that we're learning right now.
0: That's, I, I'm so glad that you elaborated on that because it's so true and it's so unfortunate, people do get fired when they make the wrong decision in a vendor, they do. Um, And you know, if the sales professional is being more of a strategist, which they should be these days, like none of us should consider ourselves salespeople, right? I mean, that's too dismissive almost, right? Like we do more than just sell. We help advise, we become a part of your family, we become a part of your team, we wanna see you succeed, we're a strategist, we're on your payroll now, we're helping you. if you're not good at communicating exactly what to expect, this goes back to Todd's book. If you're not good at communicating exactly what to expect, what is going to be challenging, what is not going to be challenging, um, then you're going to have a dissatisfied customer. That's going to lead to a customer that does not continue working with you. Um, this is it's so important to spell out what that journey is going to look like. And I was actually just on the call uh, on the phone with Todd just before we started recording this. We were just kind of pow-wowing because he's my new best friend. Um, and he was telling me a story um, that I wish I would have recorded. But just the other day, he was out with his family. Uh, and his two young kids uh, said, Dad, we want to get some, uh, some custard, some frozen custard at Culver's. Can we do that? He said, sure. So they drove to the Culver's. And when they get there, they noticed there were about 25 cars in line waiting to go through the drive through. And, you know, he's being a good dad. Let's get in this line. Let's wait. Let's let's get our custard. And the two children in the back, his daughter chimed in first and said, ah, let's just go home. Let's just go home. This is too long of a line. And then his son echoed and said, yeah, let's just go home. That's too long of a line, right? And what, what he realized from that is that what the customers were seeing here is they were clearly seeing what the journey was going to be to get to the the final ice cream, right? The, The final finish line. And they had decided that this journey is too difficult. It's not worth it. And that happens so much in sales where we don't make it easy for our customers to understand what the journey is going to be. Not everything we sell can be easy, uh, to purchase not everything can as hard as we try to make the process as simple as possible rarely in the b2b setting is it easy right i mean these are big complex deals many times lots of money lots of people things on the line but if we can properly communicate what that journey is going to look like uh, we're much more likely to get them through rather than them saying you know what let's just go home we don't need the ice cream today uh we're we're gonna we're gonna turn around But the important thing about this is that he also mentioned, and I loved this, uh, was uh, he was talking about the perception that you create in your sales efforts. When you give people a perception that something is going to be too challenging, it actually devalues it in their mind. They're actually less interested in it because they're seeing less value in it because now it's looking too complex or too challenging to move forward. I love that story. I love that story. Are you hearing people echoing things like that on your podcast? Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, and listen, by the way, just so you know, Josh, now after we're done with this, I'm going to go have ice cream. Just so you know, Uh, (laughs) I got to have, I got, I got some butter pecan sitting in the freezer right now, just calling my name and you just triggered me. So I'm going to go get that.
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I won't talk (laughs) about Girl Scout cookies. I promise.
1: Yeah. (laughs) The three things I love in life are, you know, besides my family, of course, but it's sports, uh it's sales and it's food so yeah. you know yeah. take those things away and I'm I'm done but uh <laughs> yeah no absolutely we hear that all the time and you know i mean it's it, being able to take the 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 negativity from the seller's mind remember someone t- i was having a conversation with someone today talking about selling their product and um you know uh, he said well i don't have any competition for what i do he created this app and it was like, you know, very unique to their industry and the marketplace where they were going. And he doesn't know anyone that's doing it. and I said, Well, wait, wait, you do have a competitor, you just don't realize it yet. It's a status quo. Because now you got to get them to change whatever they were doing, even if it was nothing. Now you got to get them to change to do something. And so that's your competitor in this example. And if you're going to show them how to do this, if it's going to be a long, crazy kind of process to implement, they're gonna have to hire two or three new programmers, uh, and onboard that or maybe they got to go through some procurement process now because they're gonna start looking at this and go, Oh, man, forget this, you know, this is not worth it, especially if you're talking to the C level, right, the C level, their bottom line, hey, is this gonna make money for the organization or not? And if it's not gonna make money right now, then you know, don't talk to me. And as a matter of fact, you need to talk to the guy like five levels below me. (laughs) Before it even gets to my desk, so you know, go talk to him. If he blesses it, we'll know. So it's like you know, you have to make sure that if if you got that person in the room that's gonna be the signer, your buyer that's gonna seal the deal and close the deal for you, you got to make sure that you don't make it difficult for them to make a decision. So yeah, we talk about that on the podcast as well, and um, and yeah, it's it's a very interesting component. A lot of people don't even think about that. We're so trained as salespeople to just go out there and just talk about our products and talk about where we can fit and talk about how we think we could add value. We, we don't ever, we very rarely, and I say we, because I've seen it myself and I've been a victim of doing this myself. We re- very rarely try to put ourselves in the buyer's shoes mm-hmm. to understand what they're going to go through if they decide to move forward with us. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, you're hundred percent on target with that. With what you said. And, and Todd is Todd is Todd. He's a guru when
0: it comes to that stuff. This is what we're trying to help people understand with this podcast. It seems like a lot of work to communicate a very simple thing, but the simple thing we're trying to communicate with the stories that we're telling in this podcast is to consider your buyer, consider their journey, consider, consider how you like to buy every time you talk to a customer, ask yourself, like, would I actually move forward with this deal if this is how... The salesperson was making me go through this process that this isn't what I want to do. Uh, we had, you know, a great, a great episode uh, with uh, Joe St. John with a company called Autofy. And the technology that they've created is revolutionizing the car buying experience. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of times when you say something like that, revolutionizing the car buying experience, people immediately turn to things like Carvana, right? Where it's like, I never have to go into a dealership. It's in a conveyor belt and it's going to arrive at my front step, right? This is totally different though. This is supporting, um, this is supporting brick and mortar, uh, establishments that have vehicles, have sales teams, have finance teams to make it simpler to like remove all the frustrating things that have existed for so many years in the process of buying a car. What I would say also along the lines of this this friend that you were talking to, um, I think this could be valuable to some people uh, that might be listening in right now. Is number one, if you're selling something that you literally have no competitors, that is going to be a very tough road, a very tough road for exactly the reason you said. Nobody's familiar with what you're doing, and they're not ready to move forward on something and totally change everything, and that's going to be really hard. So. Um, but I would also argue that it's very unlikely that this person has absolutely no competitors. I think sometimes, yeah, <laughs> sometimes you have to be willing. I don't want to be mean, but you know. No. Yeah, but sometimes you have to be willing to look a little bit outside of the very specific niche that you're focusing on because there's so many things out there that you could just tweak just a little bit and it's basically what you've created, right? Um, and finding those things is actually a really good thing to do because then you can use those uh, learnings and knowledge. I'm hearing some echo, so sorry about that. Um, But you can use those learnings and knowledge to help educate the people you're talking to that say, oh, I've never heard of this. And you can say, well, you know, it's kind of like this and this, but we flipped it a little bit to make it like this. Oh, that makes much more sense to me. Thank you so much for that, right? Uh, So you got to find those things. But, you know, beyond that, this is where, it comes back to what we were talking about in the very beginning. If you are in fact selling something that doesn't exist and this is happening because of COVID, there's a lot of people innovating at the speed of lightning right now. And so there are some new technologies coming out because of that, that it sometimes feels like literally nobody's doing this. This doesn't exist. How do we get this out there? And I'll tell you right now, especially if you're a sole founder and you're trying to make a splash and you're trying to promote something that nobody knows about, If you have a strong personal brand, if you have a strong following, that's going to be your best mechanism to getting some awareness building and to start building some early advocates to help you get this thing off the ground. So, you know, who knows? Hopefully he'll find some competition out there that he can kind of cite, right? I'm sure he will, you know,
1: and then when he (laughs) does, I'll be there to help him out with it. And But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, uh, you know... It, it, it's a new world that we're living in. And, uh, you know, even though we're talking about these tools like LinkedIn, LinkedIn has been around Josh before, you know, listen, I, I don't know exactly how old you are, but I know LinkedIn has been around since me and you've been in school. I can tell you that, yeah. right? Yeah. You and I didn't have degrees at the point when LinkedIn first was created. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like um, these are not anything new, but I just know that there's a lot of folks that haven't leveraged it to its full potential. There are, you know, a lot, But there's I mean, think about it, there's what 760 million profiles on LinkedIn, for example, and like 200, according to LinkedIn, 260 million of them are active users. So there's a lot of professionals there, right? How do we leverage this tool the right way? Again, there's mistakes that you know, people make and you know, we're hopefully with the podcast, and hopefully with the trainings, we can help those folks not make those same mistakes that I've made and that most people have made um, and kind of, you know, as they're going on their journey of brand building and building their online presence. But yeah, man, for sure. When, when we talk about it all comes down to at the end of the day, the buyer is going to look at you and say, you know, they're all gonna have that wall up. What are you gonna sell me? You know, what is this? What am I do I need? How am I gonna waste my time this today with you? Right. Right? And that's a negative feeling to come into a conversation right into a relationship. And so at the end of the day, it's like if you can find a way to add value to them, give them free information before you get anything back in return, well, that person now is going to listen to you automatically because it's human nature, right? You give me something for free, I'm going to want to, you know, hook you up too, right? And, And the way that the buyers and our prospects can hook us up is by giving us some of their precious time. Yeah. And so but you got to earn that first. And so, you know, we, we talk about all those things on the podcast and we talk about all those things in the sales training. And this is just things that I learned. And it seems kind of obvious. Right, Josh, like you would think, logically speaking, right, that that's kind of, you know, that's sales one on one. It really isn't. There's a lot yeah. of people that just don't don't do it the right way. And they they revert back to what they think they know. Yeah. And yeah. it's unfortunate because, you know, even even at companies, and I've been on a lot of them, even with the trainings that they bring in. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, you go to these trains or you see these kind of, uh, in, you know, uh, box type of, of sales trainings, and they just say, Hey, do this for an hour and, and then try to apply it. There's no context around that. And a lot of folks, you know, they just go out, they try to do their things. And then when it doesn't work the first or second time, automatically go back to what they, what they did 10 years ago when they were president's club and their company sent them to Aruba, they're like, I felt right to me. Right. So I know that still has got, to, that still has to work. Well, yeah. man, that was 10 years ago. You know, yeah. buyers are no longer buyers anymore. they you're no longer the hunter as a sales rep. Now the buyers are hunting you. They're hunting themselves yeah. and they know a lot more about you before you even get to the door. Yeah. And so, you know, you got to understand that position and you have to understand that dynamic. And if you can understand that and if you're able to add value prior to your meeting, it changes the total dynamics of that conversation to
0: yeah. your favor. Yep. The faster you acknowledge that the buyer has all the control, the more successful you're going to be. No, I think it's funny. I'm so I'm 40 years old. Okay. That's how old I am. I started using 40
1: this year, 40 in September.
0: There you go. So you're, you're like my younger brother right now. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. Right. But I started using LinkedIn right out of the gate. This pretty much the second LinkedIn was available. I was using LinkedIn. And, uh, but what's funny is, We need to help people advance in their learnings and knowledge of how to use LinkedIn because it's laughable. If you were to dig through my history on LinkedIn, probably the first 12 years, I did absolutely nothing other than update job titles because what was I using LinkedIn for in those first years? LinkedIn used to be incredible because for free, I could go on and find anybody's information on LinkedIn and I could go after them in any way I wanted to. I was a spammer, man. That's all I used it for. I never put up any posts. The only posts I ever put up were I changed jobs. I changed jobs, I changed jobs. That's it. But I was using it every day to be a spammer and it was not it, it actually was effective in the beginning because not everyone was being a spammer on it, um, but it became pretty quickly not effective. And what I see so frequently is when people start coming onto that platform or any platform that's out there, for whatever reason, as humans, our first inclination is find the easiest, spamiest route to success. And I don't know why. And I see this on LinkedIn. I see this on TikTok. I see this on all kinds of channels right now. And when you finally get the switch in your head to realize that the best leads I can possibly get out of whatever channel I'm on are the leads that come to me informed about why they're coming to me, reaching out to me proactively saying, hey, I saw this thing you did and I'm very interested in that and I want to have a conversation specifically with you. That's incredible. And you can get to that point, but it starts with exactly what you said. You build your personal brand, then you, then you double down and you bring value all day long. And not all organizations understand this. A lot of companies look at their salespeople that are creating content and going, you're not in marketing, you're in sales. What the heck are you doing? Stop making this content, right? And the, the response should be, oh no, I'm here to create some content too. Because your marketing team isn't, isn't setting me up for success. They're setting the company up for success. Josh, I you're, need you're to touching a nerve, brother. Get on the soapbox. Go. Church, you're, go. you're
1: touching a nerve. Don't do it.
0: <laughs> I go. Think you already
1: did it. No, I'll, <laughs> tell, you, I'll tell you what it is. Uh, so, you know, when I decided to make the move to become a social seller, right? What does that term even mean, right? But I, 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 I decided I'm going to really leverage social media as a platform. And I knew everyone was on LinkedIn, they see me. And so I started really getting into it hard. And I created the podcast in the summertime the leading during crisis podcast, the first one before and, you know, a lot of I, I remember having a very uncomfortable conversation with the leaders above me, saying, you know, hey, you know what, this wasn't approved. And you know, what are you doing here? And, you know, what, what kind of, uh, you know, what, what do you think this is? And where this is gonna go? And how are you gonna monetize this? Don't forget that, you know, you 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 work for this company, you don't, you don't you, that's who you get paid from. And so you got to be careful with that. And I said, Look, I understand what you're saying, but at the end of the day, I need to make sure that I I get to these prospects in a way that adds value to them. So I I actually expedite my success as opposed to going a, a long way around to do the same thing. And at the end of the day, bottom line, Josh, it's not working. Once COVID hit, it was like the stuff that we're doing wasn't was no longer working. So I might as well try this because what else did I have to lose, right? And and it was more like the attitude was well, why don't you just shut up and pick up the phone and keep dialing right yeah dial for dollars type of thing and it was like man i was so confused as to why they couldn't see the power of this Mm -hmm. because it does take a long time right it takes a while for you to develop a relationship you don't just connect with somebody on monday and friday they're signing the order you know what i'm saying it doesn't work like that it takes time to build this up and while you're building no one sees the results but you know that it's there because you can see the engagement you see your followers going up you see people engaging with your content you see your kpi starting to come up you start to see you know your 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 meetings you know expand and but not only just having a meeting just to have a meeting to hit a kpi but each meeting that you're having is is valuable it's something that you both know that it's a fit what you sell and what they buy and so it was it was it just couldn't be seen right away but then after a while it starts to it starts to happen and it starts to come out and all of a sudden You start to become this person who once it starts to work and it just takes one. Once you get that one in, all of a sudden, now everybody wants to know what you got. All of a sudden you found the magic bullet. And there is no magic bullet. Because Josh, if you and I had a magic bullet, we wouldn't be doing this podcast from I wouldn't be doing this from my house. You wouldn't be doing it from your office. We'd be on the beach in the Bahamas somewhere doing the podcast there. Because that's where I know that was an option.
0: Is that an option? Because I mean we can just That's that's where I want to be. Okay, as well, long as we got internet, let's
1: go. But Let's you know, make a, so for let's me, make a it's plan. Like, <laughs> there you go. And so it's like, there's no such thing as a magic bullet, Josh. But this is a tool that you, another tool on your belt. But this is a very powerful tool that separates you from the competition if you use it correctly. So for those people who are out there who are in upper management, who are maybe... Uh, I guess let's say what's the politically correct term, uh, seasoned professionals. We'll say seasoned, you know. There you go. There you go. There <laughs> so you go. Yeah. so yeah. if you're a seasoned professional that's an upper management and you don't really get it yet when it comes to this online video thing, building a brand, who does this guy think he is or who does this gal think she is, I would say give that person a chance to let them shine on their own. Let them show their true personality through their social media platforms as long as they're – as long as they're being respectful and they're doing the right thing and they're they're representing the company in a in a way that uh, that you're proud of, let that person go because I guarantee you the relationships that they build are going to be sticky relationships, not just the one and dones where they sign and goodbye. These are going to be the relationships that you have that not only become on board as a new logo, but also you grow additional wallet share with. Yeah. And you can grow a, a wonderful relationship where that person wants to stay on board. And, and here's the other thing too, for those people, if you're the, the person who's deciding you want to be a social seller and deciding to take that next step and, 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 and put yourself out there, not only can you take your brand with you if you decide to leave, but you take your customers with you too, man, because people are loyal and that's just human nature. I, if you give me good service and you treat me right, I'm going to be your friend forever right? Yeah. The minute you screw me, I'm gone. But if you give me good service, boy, you get everything of me. And if you go well, then guess what you take your book of business with you because they buy into you, they don't buy the name that's on your back. That's so right. ABC company just signs your checks, they're buying into you. And that's the reason why you want to be a social seller. So two, two key components there that I just wanted to talk about the from my perspective, or from the perspective of the, the, the salesperson, and the perspective of you know, the seasoned professional upper management who just kind of is still kind of leery about what this is all about.
0: Yeah. Listen, this happens far too frequently. I really hope that there's some people listening in the C suite that don't see the value in their representatives focusing on this. I hope they start trying to understand the value in this. The only thing that I would add here is that if your leadership doesn't see the value in this, it is your job to communicate to them the value in what you're doing. You have to sell this to them. You have to paint the picture, tell the story to them of why you're doing this and how this is going to help your personal sales efforts and in turn, make that company more money. If they don't understand that, The only companies that I can possibly think of where it's acceptable to not allow your representatives to focus on social selling are heavily regulated industries. If you're a lawyer, if you're working in finance, there's certain industries where you gotta be careful what you say in channels. But outside of those, free reign, man. And you have to do those things because that is how people buy today. And I would just give them a very simple stat. And this is a published stat, and it's a very simple one. Anyone listening has 10 times more people following them and engaging with them than their business's social channels do. Anyone, 10 times more on average. So if that business does not want to get the traffic and the interest and the advocacy because they're buying from people. They are not buying from your brand. If you're waiting for them to only buy from your brand, you're about to go out of business. Allow people to buy from the people that you trusted to hire and put in that position. And like you say, they'll continue buying from that person. Hopefully you keep them at your business because they'll keep buying from your company. But if you let that person go and they've done the right job and they go to a place that provides a service or a product that fits them, they're coming with them because that's who they love. You're 100% right on that. All right, man, we are, oh, oh go ahead. no, no, no,
1: go, go. No, I was just going to say, fine. You know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, we talk about the whole aspect of, of putting yourself out there too. I would also say just, just as a reminder, you know, LinkedIn, if it is the professional network, the go-to professional network, but it is a social media mm-hmm. social, there is a social component of LinkedIn. So let your personality shine. You don't have to always put out the latest white paper of your marketing team or what they put, you know, put out there, you don't always have to talk about, hey, this is what we do now. Here's a new product we're rolling out. Contact me here. If you're interested, it's, you know, why would they contact you? You haven't had value yet. And who are you? Right? So try to let your personality show. And every now and then be willing to, to you know, you don't have to do a goofy dance or anything like that, like on a TikTok video, even though I did that the other day. And, it, you know, whatever the point is, is that you want, that's my personality. If that's not you, don't do that. But if you have that type of personality and you let it show, people relate to that. People are like, man, this guy, man, he does things that I wish I could do. And I I like this guy. And guess what? Even if your buyer is not connecting with that, or even if your buyer doesn't even see it, I guarantee you that someone in that sphere of influence, talk about echo selling again, someone in that sphere of influence may see it and say, when they hear, you know, you say, oh, man, we're looking for a new provider for, you know, XYZ and ABC, Hey, man, I just saw this dude on LinkedIn, man. You got, maybe we should give him a call. That's because you're building that brand. You're being social. You're being informative. You're giving information. So just wanted to add that in there.
0: That happens for me all the time. And it is the greatest experience when that happens, right? It is the easiest sale you will ever have. When somebody that somebody trusts says you have to talk to so-and-so. Simple. Done. All right. Listen, we are absolutely at time on this one. Every time I try to keep it to 30 minutes, every time I fail miserably, it is what it is. I'm just getting started, brother. I know, I know. And and I'm not going to let you get on my soapbox because when you start talking about people resharing marketing materials from the marketing team without context, that's when I start getting on a tangent. I'm not going to go there today. But I'll tell you, it's been great having you on here. Thank you so much for sharing the value. Now, if people are looking to learn more from you, engage more with you, I know we mentioned the site at the beginning, but kind of give people the recap on the best ways to connect with you, engage with you, and and maybe a little bit about the course as well.
1: Yeah, you can you can find me. The best way to find me right now is go to digitalsalessync.com. That's digitalsalessync.com is going to be all the information there. And I have all my contact info there, my email, and all the different ways to con- connect with me on social media. Obviously, I could rattle them all off, but, you know, LinkedIn is probably going to be the best way to reach me. So ty- you can type in Jonathan S. Otero, uh, and that, you'll find me there and just connect with me. And, uh, you know, if you have any questions, you can you can let me know. If I can help, I'll add some value. Feel free to leverage my network any way you think you need to. Um, and if I can help, I'm, I'm there to do that. So definitely check me out on those channels and definitely check out DigitalSalesSync.com.
0: Love it. Thank you so much for being a part of the Byron Ableman podcast. Uh, For anyone listening, we'll be back in just a couple weeks with another episode for you, just like we always are. I try to keep them going every two weeks. I'd love to produce these more than every two weeks, but I'm running a business here. I got other things I got to be doing. So every two weeks is about the best I can do, but I hope that you found value in this one. Please connect with Jonathan here. So much value. Follow his podcast as well. There's a lot of great guests on there. Make sure to check out Todd Capone's uh, episode on his podcast as well. Um, And uh, because we love Todd here and Todd, I'm sure will bring even more value for the listeners. So Thanks again for being on. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Have a great rest of your day. Bye.